And I want us to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 40 tonight. Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to notice verses 28 down to verse 31. Verses 28 down to verse 31. And I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about having a, a personal quiet time devotional life. Now, I don't know how many of you have a quiet time where you get along with God on a daily basis and, and just uh, fellowship with Him. But, but I want to share some things with you tonight about uh, why we need that time and why it's such a necessity if we're going to grow spiritually in our lives. And so let's notice what, what the, what the uh, prophet Isaiah says here in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 28. Isaiah says this, he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Father, we come before you tonight, and, and Lord, we, we know how much we need you. But even though we know that, there are many times that we, we just forsake you, and we go about our way and end up discouraged and end up burnt out and and just end up in need of a fresh touch and end up with a, with a need of revival in our souls. So, Father, help us tonight to see that great need of just coming before you, fellowshipping with you. And, Father, I pray that for those of us that are here tonight that, that you would strengthen our souls even as we meet with you. And, Father, I pray that you'd build hedges around us and encourage us and strengthen us. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the remarkable things about God is that we find here is that he never gets tired. He never gets weary. He never gets discouraged. Nothing ever surprises God, so as a result of that, he's always ready for what, for what uh, that he has to encounter in life. And the Bible says that, that he gives strength to those that do get weary. He gives encouragement to those that, that, that are falling and those that are discouraged. And, and notice how he does that. In verse 31, he says, they that wait upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. I, I believe one of the things that, that God is telling us here is that he develops spiritual growth and he encourages and he strengthens those that just come before him and fellowship with him. And, and there's a time that all of us just need to simply get alone with God. Do you remember on one occasion that the Lord told his people, be still and know that I am God. In other words, just shut everything down, get along with God, wait on God, and God will move in our lives as he speaks to us. You know, our problem is, is we sometimes think that waiting time, stillness, being alone is wasted time. 
We're so used to, to, to want to be doing things that we think if we get alone and, and just pray, that's kind of wasted time. It's not. It's not wasted time. It's time of growth and it's time of renewal for us. And, and I want you to notice why we need a time where we get along with God and we just wait on God in that devotional quiet time. I, I believe we need a time of waiting on, time, uh, on God, that quiet time, because we can really get burnout in life. We really can. We can get to the point that we just go through the motions and our zeal for God and our zest for God and our, and our awe of God just kind of goes by the wayside. You know, this is especially true sometimes in church. This is especially true in church services where our church services are, are, are kind of cut and dried and we know what's coming next. And, and let's be honest, we, we, have our, we have our tradition in church and, and we have our, our, our kind of ritual when it comes to church services. Just think about the morning church service. We know what's coming in when we come to church in the morning church service, do we not? Hmm? We're going to sing a song of welcome then the pastor's going to walk up and he's going to welcome everybody to the services and we're going to shake hands and then we're going to sing three or four more songs and we're going to have an offering and we're going to have cab kids when, when Teresa's well. And, uh, and maybe we might have a special and then after that the preacher's going to preach. Isn't that true? And he's going to preach about 25 minutes. And if he preaches longer than that, we get worn out. If we preach shorter than that, we say, boy, he didn't study much this week, did he? I, you know, I mean, we, we kind of have everything just lined out, don't we? And if we're not careful, we can get in what I call a church rut to where we, we know everything that's going on. And, and many times, even the songs that we sing, we know all of the words to those we don't even need a hymnal to it. And, and sometimes even as we sing, we're not concentrating about what we're singing, are we? Hmm? Because after all, we've sung Amazing Grace so many times now. We know what it says, right? We know the words, but we sometimes don't think about those words. And, and so what happens is, is we can kind of just experience worship burnout. And we can just go through the motions, say we've been to church, not be touched, not get into, a, uh, into really meeting God in worship. And, and what happens when we get into worship burnout, folks, is we forget the reason we're here. Now, why, why, why are we here as a church? Well, we're supposed to be. Well, that's true. The Bible does say, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Why are we here at church? Well, we need some rest. Folks, listen. Why are we here? We are here to collectively meet our Savior. Collectively honor Him. Collectively learn about Him. And collectively worship the one who went and died upon the cross for our sins. You know, the early church, the reason we meet on Sunday, you know the reason we meet on Sunday is because Jesus rose again on Sunday. And if you remember, on that very first Easter Sunday, those disciples were discouraged. 
Man, man, they were as low as they could get. Their Savior had died. They thought the Romans were going to come get them. And on that very first Easter Sunday, do you remember what happened that night in the evening worship service? Jesus appeared in their midst and their discouragement vanished. And they were left in awe of, of the fact that their Savior was alive. And, and I'm persuaded that they were a little bit happy about it too, weren't you? And I don't think that they kind of sat on their pew and said, well, praise God, maybe this will be over. No, no, they were excited and they were rejoicing about what Christ had done in their life. And that's what God wants in all of our church services. And I believe that we can only receive a new and refreshed spirit as we wait on God in our quiet time. Now, folks, if you don't have a, a time that you personally worship God in quiet time, the church service isn't going to mean quite as much either. You see, worship comes alive when we get in a one-on-one -on -one encounter with God. See, we can come in to church because they're singing, right? And we can come to church because there's, there's a sermon. And we can come to church because there's other folks to fellowship with. But when you get one-on-one, -on -one, the only one there is God. And through a one-on-one -on -one personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, we discover what corporate worship's all about because we've discovered what personal worship's all about. And, and if we're burnt out on church, what folks need to do is just get along with God. And as the Bible says here, let him lift him up on eagle's wings where, where worship becomes fresh and worship becomes alive and, and worship becomes exciting again. Folks, it ought to be that way. I, I know that many of us have been saved many, many years, but still, that, that doesn't mean that worship has to lose its, its freshness and its, and its aliveness and its encounter, right? By the way, how many of you go to a football game and say, well, it's just another football game? No. If it were that way, we'd never have anybody miss church because the Cowboys were playing a seven, right? Worship needs to be that way. And it can only be that way as we get into a one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord. Secondly, I think we need a quiet time of waiting on God because we can get real discouraged in life. Did you know Elijah got discouraged about life? Elijah got so discouraged. And man, this was a great prophet of God. He's one of the, one of the most important, one of the most impressive prophets of the Old Testament. And, and do you remember he got so discouraged on one occasion that he sat down under a juniper tree and said, Lord, it's enough. Would you please kindly kill me and take me on home? How many of you have ever got to the point where you were so discouraged you just kind of said, Lord, I, I really wish you'd just take me out of here. I am so fed up with life. I am so fed up with my husband. I'm so fed up with my kids. Lord, I'm so fed up with the political situation in America. Just, just take me on. Take me on home. It's kind of how Elijah felt. And I think sometimes what really discourages us is when we feel like there's no hope for a better tomorrow. That's what messed Elijah up. He didn't feel like things were ever going to get any better. And, and sometimes we, we see no hope. There are folks that are living in marriages and they feel like that marriage is never going to get any better. There are some folks that have kids that are really difficult kids to deal with and 
They don't see how their kids are ever going to get any better. And it's just going to be trudging through this. And there, there's some folks that, that are messed up financially and they're saying, well, there's no hope for my finances getting any better. I mean, things are never going to get any better. And there are folks that have health issues. And they're saying, you know, never going to get any better. But you know, I believe that God made us and he, God made us to live with the anticipation and with the hope of his intervention in our life. That's what Christianity is all about. It's God's intervening in our life. And, and when we lose that hope, when we lose the hope of God's intervention, when we lose the anticipation of God moving in our life and making things better, then depression and discouragement are the result. And folks, that's why we need a quiet time with God. See, when we get along with God, you know what it does? It, focuses, it forces us to focus on God instead of self. The problem most of the time when we get so discouraged and think things are never going to get any better is because we're looking at ourself. Hmm? And we're having our pity party. How many of you have ever had a pity party? How many of you have had one this week? I mean, that might be the better question to ask. And when we get in our little pity party, we're looking at ourselves, but when we get alone with God and we're having our quiet time with God, you know where we're forced to look at? We're forced to look at Him, not ourselves, but look to Him. When Isaiah was so discouraged about the death of Uzziah and he thought Israel was never going to get any better, do you remember what happened? The Bible says that, that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when he saw God high and lifted up, that had a tendency to do away with his discouragement. And folks, that's why we need to get along with God. So we can look at him and see him. And, and waiting on God then allows us to see, as we see who God is, to see that things can get better because God's at work in our life. Now, if nothing more, we need to see that God has, has given us an eternal hope and that heaven is where we're eventually going to end up at. You know, Paul said that he saw heaven. He said he had a great desire to go there because it was far better. But, but as he saw heaven, as he saw what all that God had in store for him, he said, you know, it's more needful for me to be here and help others to get there too. And as we began to look at God, waiting on the Lord will cause depression to be replaced with a renewed strength to face life's challenges. That's what he says here. He said, if you wait on me, he said, he said, waiting on me, I'll renew their strength where they can run and not grow weary. And then thirdly, we need a quiet time of waiting upon God because we often just flat get tired. Physical weariness can cause us to look at life with a totally different attitude than we would have if we weren't weary and we weren't sick. Have you ever been sick? Everybody's been sick here lately, right? and been tired, everybody's been tired lately. And folks, I'm going to tell you, when you get sick and when you get tired and when you get sick and tired, it can cause us to look at life through a different colored lens. You know, one of the reasons that I think Elijah was so messed up is he was tired. He had run in front of Elijah's, uh, in front of Ahab's chariot from Mount Carmel all the way back to Samaria. He, he, had, he had been running for three and a half years his diet hadn't been the best in the world. He was tired. And as a result of that, he was discouraged. 
You know, because God knows that we can get worn out and lose our Christian perspective, that's one of the reasons he's taught us to take a day off a week. And folks, if you don't take a day off a week and replenish your body, you know what God can do? He can make you sick and lay in bed where you, where you get your rest. I think that's another reason why in the busy time of ministry, Jesus told his disciples, come apart, rest a while. Now folks, listen. Daily, we need a time of refreshment. And that time can come by our getting alone with God. That's why that, that, that waiting time, Resting in the Lord is never wasted time. God can use that time to renew us, to give us a renewed vision, and to strengthen us. So we need to get along with God where he can just, in his supernatural way, reinvigorate us to where we can be up and about for him again. Now, our daily time with God can actually change our lives. We may not see immediate change, but if we stay with it, God can mold our lives into his very image. Now, through being, for instance, through being alone with God, Moses was alone with God for 40 days on Mount Sinai. When he came off the mountain, was he a different person? Oh, he was so different that his face shined. And, and everybody knew the difference there. They were scared to death of him. Made him put a sack over his head. But that 40 days with the Lord changed his life. And you know, by being alone with God for 40 days... God changed the disciples. And as a result of that, he prepared them for, for a, a life of world evangelism. And no believer's spiritual life will ever rise above the quality of that daily, quiet time devotion. Now, let me just give you a few tips for a devotional life and we close. First of all, if you're going to have a devotional life, find a place that can be your special place to spend with God. Remember Jacob had Bethel? It was his special place of meeting with the Lord. It was the house of the Lord, literally what the word Bethel means. And he was going back to Bethel in those times of spiritual renewal. Jesus had Gethsemane. Remember the disciples all knew what they were going to do in Gethsemane. They were going to pray. They were going to fellowship with him. They were, they were going to have that special time of spiritual renewal in Gethsemane. And, and every one of us need a place that we can dedicate to the Lord to be our special place that we meet with the Lord. I think also we don't need to hurry our time with God. How many of you have ever had a devotional life like this? Well, I got three minutes. To... No, that ain't going to work. See, we need to give, the God, to give God the respect that's due Him as God. And, and that means we need to give Him the time to honor Him. And, and it, it often takes time as, as we've come with our devotional life to just kind of clear our minds. And to clear our hearts where we can really get in tune with God and really fellowship with Him. Folks, getting to know someone takes time, does it not? And that's true with God as well. Don't hurry your devotional life. Instead, just enjoy it. And I don't think we need to get legalistic with our quiet time either. Sometimes we have the idea, well quiet time. I've got to read 14 verses today and spend, oh, let's see, we've got to spend 14 minutes with the Lord in prayer. And so we get real legalistic about it all. Do we get that legalistic in our relationship with others? You know what a successful quiet time is? It's just enjoying God. It's just enjoying the Lord. In just a few minutes after our business meeting tonight, some of us are going to go and, 
and we're going to eat and enjoy a time of fellowship together. Do we get legalistic and say, all right, I'm going to give you 10 minutes, and after 10 minutes is over, I'm through? Not hardly. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to eat this, 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 and I'm going to take my time eating it. I'm going to take time fellowshipping it. And when we decide it's time the fellowship's over, then we leave, right? We're not going to, you're not going to give me 10 minutes to eat, right? If you are, I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> but that's kind of the way we do God sometimes, isn't it? We get real legalistic and say, I'm, very, I'm really spiritual. I spent 10 minutes in prayer today. And that may be spiritual for you. But God may want you spending 20 minutes. He may want you spending 30. He may want you spending five. Just enjoy God. Amen? Just enjoy Him. And as we enjoy God, He will renew us, He will strengthen us, and He will allow us to soar as a believer. Isn't that what He says here when He says, we'll mount up with wings as eagles. Now, folks, there's two birds that have always kind of been interesting to me. We can either be, as a Christian, we can mount up with wings as eagles, or we can be a turkey. <laughs> How many of you work with turkey? No, no, don't do that. My youth minister in, 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 in Shreveport had a coffee cup on his desk, and I always had a doubt about him. I'd go and visit with him, and his coffee cup always said this, it's hard to soar with eagles when you work with a bunch of turkeys. And I'd always say, Mark, is that about me? <laughs> Folks, God doesn't want us to be turkey Christians. He wants us soaring with wings of eagles. And that takes place as we spend time with God. Just quiet time. That's no secret of the Christian life. It's just quiet time. 